Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. That's where we're at this morning as we're just going through the gospel of Luke. I'm excited to be going through the gospel of Luke. And so Gabriel, important angel, he comes to Nazareth. And then it says he comes in verse 27 to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So this is Mary, a young virgin girl. Now, typically we know from history that most young women were betrothed to men and married usually in their teens, mid-teens. So it's very likely that Mary was anywhere from 14 to 18 years old, just a young girl. And, and here she is in the city and this angel appears to her, she's, but she's betrothed to a man, it tells us here, named Joseph. Now Joseph, we don't know how old he was, but we do know that by the time Jesus started his public ministry, Joseph had died. And that becomes apparent just through a few things that we'll see as we go through the book of Luke. But Joseph was a carpenter and, and he found this woman that he wanted to marry, I suppose. Now, marriage wasn't the kind of the same. It wasn't really the same as it is here in America today. In, in America today, a lot of people, they see somebody they like. They might say, hey, you know, would you like to go out on a date or go get coffee or something like that? And they kind of cultivate a relationship. And then maybe after things are going well, they get engaged. And then after they get engaged, they set a date and they're married. Now, in their, their day, it was very different. In fact, a lot of times things were arranged by the parents of the children. Or maybe if a man grew up and he wasn't married, then he would arrange something with the father. And kind of the idea behind that was, you know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to marry your daughter. And so here's what I'm proposing. And he would bring what they called a bride price or a dowry. Now, the dowry had to be something of value. You know, if it was, if it was 10 cows, you know, or if it was... a you know, a, a, a bottle or collection of very expensive spices or something like that, a lot of those things would be considered a dowry that would be used in the event that the marriage didn't work out, the man divorced the woman unlawfully, or if he passed away. Then that woman could live off of the dowry. And that's kind of how that worked. Now, it went down kind of like this. The woman would be chosen by the father of the groom or by the, the groom. And he would come and he would present his bride price to the father. And the father would have to agree with it. The bride's father would have to agree to it. Yeah, that's, that's sufficient. Now, he wasn't buying her. You have to understand this. Remember, that dowry belonged to her ultimately. He, it was in earnest in her father's care. But what he was saying is, I'd like to pre present this in return for all that you've spent and all that you've done to, to raise my wife. And so the, the father would approve that. And then they would bring the girl. 
And she would come, and maybe this is the first time she's met him. Maybe she kind of grew up with this boy and maybe knew that he was the one. But what, what would happen then is he would pour a glass of wine, the, the groom would. He'd pour a glass of wine, and he would take a drink of it, and he would pass it to the woman, and she would take the cup, and then she would drink it. And as soon as she drank that wine, it was a done deal. She was legally married, and she was engaged in maybe an art likeness to it but literally that was legally binding the contract was sealed by drinking the wine however she could if she did not feel good about this whole thing just dump it out and if she dumped it out she was saying pack sand i don't like you and and so there was some choice in the matter it wasn't like she had to do it well once she drank the wine they would perform a mikvah on her and and the mikvah was used in a lot of different ceremonies in jewish culture through the priests would wash through the mikvah and basically what they would do is baptize her they put her down in the water that's what mikvah means is baptism they baptize her and she'd come up out of the water the idea was she's passing from my our family to his family now she's going to be his bride and so she do the mikvah so she drinks the wine she does the mikvah and she starts to adorn herself to become a good bride now during this time he's sending her he's sending her gifts like fine linen and, and perfumes and things like that so that she can adorn herself. And the idea is he's presenting her back to himself as a beautiful bride. Now you're probably starting to think of some scriptures that kind of go along with the, this symbolism that Jesus and Paul both use when it comes to these things. Well, what would happen as soon as the man would give the wine to her, she drank it, he would run away to go back home and he would begin to build a wedding chamber off of his house. And every day he'd work on it to build this wedding chamber. It was basically a place. And Joseph, of course, was probably the best wedding chamber because he was a carpenter. So he's building this wedding chamber off of his father's house. And the idea of the wedding chamber was it was the place where the wedding would take place. Now, it's not like we think of it. You, basically, what would happen is once it was completed... And it was up to the father, his father, to determine if it was completed or not. But once it was completed, the father would say, okay, about a year later, it, it's, it looks good enough, son. You can go get your bride. And usually he'd do that for fun in the middle of the night. And so the, the groom would get up. He would very excited, get dressed. He'd send his friend, his best friend ahead of him, shouting, the bridegroom is coming, maybe blowing a trumpet or setting some sort of signal. And, and as the, the bride would hear that the bridegroom was coming, she would trim her lamp. She'd get up. She'd adorn herself in her wedding dress, in her wedding garment. And then she would go out to meet the groom. And then he would take her and they go back into the wedding chamber and all at the, this whole time, as the, as the guy's running out to announce the bridegroom, everybody's gathering. Everybody, all the families, all the relatives, all the friends, they're all gathering around the wedding chamber. The husband and the wife go into the wedding chamber. They consummate the marriage. Aren't, we, aren't you glad we do it the way we do it instead? <laughs> it's like everybody shows up at the honeymoon and they're all outside the door. Hey, we're partying, you know? <laughs> yeah, not a good idea. But this is the way they did it and this was their custom. And, and of course you see the symbolism. Of course, Jesus is the one who offered his bride price of the body that he offered for us and, and that he, he would offer his blood to us. And even in the Last Supper, as we celebrate communion, we, in a sense, once we've received him, we accept the cup and we accept the bread. 
And then, of course, he sends us gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit to adorn ourselves, to make us beautiful, that we might be a chaste virgin. As Paul said, that we'd be presented back to him. And then like the five virgins and the five, or the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish, the bridegroom comes at an hour you do not expect. And speaking of the rapture of the church, and, and of course, we would go out in that moment being prepared and being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is represented by the, the oil and the lamp, to meet the groom as wise brides and, and be taken to his wedding chamber. And of course, that, that celebration would last for seven days outside of the wedding chamber. And so kind of, kind of an interesting parallel, but that's what it meant that she was betrothed. She's betrothed to Joseph. And so in the middle of this betrothal, they're not... They're legally married, but they're not, they haven't consummated the marriage yet. They're not fully married, I guess you could say. Verse 28, it says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, no doubt, Mary is highly favored. No doubt, she was chosen by God because of her heart, her desire, her faith. She was somebody who truly trusted God, who truly believed God for, for good things in her life, who was in love with God and, and loved the things of God and, and knew his word and, and all these things that this young woman, would, that God would look at, this young woman of faith who, who really was living and probably even like all the other women had a little rag doll that she pretended was the Messiah, the Christ child when she was little. Now we don't know for sure but she was highly favored by God. Now, it's interesting because we think about Mary and we think of all that Mary has become. And of course, what Mary has become at the hands of the Catholics and, and probably a lot of the Protestants too, she'd suffered a lot in, in regards to that. And, you know, of course, she's known as Mary, the mother of God, which I don't like that title. Mary, the mother of the Son of God, Mary of the mother of, of God incarnate, yeah. But remember that he pre-existed her. She's not the originator of God. And of course, she's not the mother of the Father or of the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of a blasphemous title that people have get bestowed upon her. And then, of course, the idea that Mary was immaculately conceived, that there was no father. Of course, we read in Luke that she had a father named Heli. And so that's not right. That she was a perpetual virgin. Absolutely not. In fact, we, we see Mary with her sons, you know, Joseph and, and Simon and all these different sons who came to, to get Jesus when they thought he'd gone crazy later on in his ministry. And daughters, you know, and of course, we're going to see that not too, too long into the book of Luke where Jesus is in the synagogue and they'll say, isn't, isn't this Jesus, you know, the son of Mary? Aren't his brothers Joseph and Simon and James and, and his, aren't his daughters among us too? And so, of course, Jesus is not, or excuse me, Mary is not this perpetual virgin. After Jesus came, her and Joseph had a regular marriage. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208 208- 991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmet.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless.
Abiding Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless.